Pilgrim by Brian Lee O'Malley. Skull Pilgrim is the thing that, that Brian Lee O'Malley is is best known for, but I suspect that a lot of the people listening to this, if you know about Scott Pilgrim at all, you'll probably mostly have seen the movie with Michael Cera. I confess that um, I first saw the movie before I, I was interested in the comics, and I was, I was aware of them beforehand. I think I picked up a, a graphic novel at a friend's house and flicked through it, but um, it wasn't until the movie came along with Michael Cera in the lead role that I really got into Scott Pilgrim. Um, by the way, the movie has a fantastic soundtrack. It's got, I mean, it's, a lot of it's done by Beck, um, and there are people like um, Frank Black and various other people involved. Um, pretty fantastic stuff. Uh, anyway, Scott Pilgrim, uh, what can I say about it? It's kind of, I don't know if you're aware of Questionable Content, which is a sort of slice of life webcomic. Scott Pilgrim feels like a webcomic before webcomics were a thing. I, I, I guess that's the right thing to say. It has a very recognisable art style. Um, big eyed characters and sort of very bold strokes. But more importantly, um, it's it has a really interesting world in which it operates. It looks at first glance like a sort of slice of life, uh, teen stroke, early 20s drama with lots of interpersonal interaction and that sort of thing. Um, until you realise that uh, there are some weird things going on. Not that they're ever commented on. I mean, I, I, I talked earlier about um, uh, magical realism and the difference between magical realism and fantasy. Well, magical realism is like sort of that there's obviously something weird going on. It's not explainable, and it's not really relatable, but it is present in the world. And I think that best best describes what Scott Pilgrim is about. Now, the, the kind of weird stuff that's going in, on in Scott Pilgrim, alongside all of the, um, all of the, the you know, 20-something drama, are things like that there's a this concept of subspace where um uh the um Ramona Scott's uh, the the girl Scott is lusting after uh she's a, a courier and she takes a um and she takes a route through what she calls a subspace highway that happens to run partially through Scott's dreams which explains why he's been dreaming about her um there are bits where she finds a door that um you know they go out for a date and it ends up being a date by some swings and they say well let's go back to my place and then she finds a door that allows them to slip through subspace back to her place but this is pretty inconsequential it is just an example that the world of Scott Pilgrim has shifted just slightly to the left. And it's not really important. I mean, the fact that you can take a shortcut by rollerblading through somebody's subspace dreams is a weird thing. But it doesn't do anything to the plot or the overall world outlook. It's not really important. It's just a way of stamping the slight weirdness on the world. Now, the main weirdness and, and the main thing about the whole Scott Pilgrim arc is, of course, Scott Pilgrim's fight with Ramona's seven evil exes. And, um, and this idea, and, and, and it's also a case that uh, Scott's ex, Knives Chow, um, settles her fight with Ramona physically as well. So all of the arguments uh, that they have and the, all of the, the dislike between characters is settled through physical violence and a sort of weirdly um, Nintendo stroke martial arts way. Um, 
and you, you've obviously you know this if you've seen the movie. Now the movie sort of makes more of the sort of seven evil exes and the uh, and the confrontations. The books, because they are the the graphic novels are spread over six graphic novels, they have a bit more space to breathe. So there's a bit more about the side characters, and some of the side characters get a bit more exposure or are slightly different. And overall, it feels like, despite the fact that you you the the Scott's backstory is is has a surprising amount of violence where and Scott's actually quite good at fighting despite being a sort of um a very unsympathetic character right at the start um he's really good at fighting and he has a history of fighting a lot of people in high school in the sort of strange video game style tournaments otherwise the the, the framing story around all of those fighting set pieces is very much like sort of a coming of age, gaining maturity, um, 20-something drama. And it strikes me that this is prime territory for Power by the Apocalypse type stuff, where, um, you know, sort of, so given that um, masks, I guess, although I don't know masks really well at all, but also monster hearts, um, they are heavily trading on the sort of... um, you know, the the monsters and magic and superpowers seem to be more of a metaphor for struggle. That's pretty much what's going on in Scott Pilgrim. Um, now, I, I guess you've got to question how much this would appeal to um, middle-aged people such as myself. Well, I really enjoy consuming it. I would um, I wouldn't really try to replicate the kind of feel of it you know i'm i've no idea anymore what it's like to feel like somebody 20 years old um i'll leave that to game designers who are that age to design games that do that kind of experience but this idea about having sort of features in the world that um they are strangely magical but they don't really affect the plot they just stamp the world as not our own i th- i think that's kind of the point and it's the reason why I like, for example, Christopher Priest, where the world in which the characters inhabit appears to be like our world, except that there are obviously strange things going on. Um, there are people who are invisible, or there are people who can do magic that is not something that's available to normal people. Um, or there are certain other features in the world that uh, you know the reader acknowledges it sets it apart from our world so it kind of makes it into a fantasy without really being a fantasy there's a there is a there's a movie called streets of fire which is called calls itself um, you know a rock and roll fable and i think the most famous person to come out of that is probably willem dafoe who makes an absolutely incredible bad guy and right at the end there's a a really impressive fight with sledgehammers i think that's called a rock and roll fable that happens somewhere so it's a place that looks like america but it isn't america exactly it's there's a lot of stuff that's implied about the world like uh the one of the protagonists has just recently come back from military service or action as a mercenary there are other characters who are they, they, they're apparently, you know, they're, they're thieves or or, or um, rogues who live on their wits. And you've got to wonder what kind of world that is. It's very close to the world that we think of, but it's obviously not. 
And um, this is kind of the over-the-edge effect as well. You know, for example, Alamaja uh, from the role-playing game Over the Edge is like it's an island somewhere, and it's plausible that people from our world can go there, just like in Christopher Priest's Dream Archipelago sequence, people from our, our world make their way to the islands in the Dream Archipelago. But the Dream Archipelago isn't a real place. It's a weird place, and there are things there that are unexplained. Um, and uh, I'm not sure really where I'm going to go with this, but I'm going to say that um, I kind of feel like Scott Pilgrim occupies that same place. I mean, the, the story it's telling is about growth and human drama, much in the way that, that you know, Christopher Priest stories are a lot about that. Um, but the world it inhabits is just like it, it's stepped to the left of our world. So it looks like the same place. And there's no need to explain that it's different or why it's different. It just is different and you accept that. And I've always wondered how do I translate that feeling, uh, that kind of... Um, you know, feeling that you are in a slightly different world to other players. I guess um, Itris B, uh, the um, is it Swedish, Norwegian, I can't remember, but it's like Itris City, this this sort of um, fairly freeform role-playing game based in a city based on uh, slightly surrealist art and, and art movements. Um, that's pretty much the same thing. You can play real people in there with, with mundane and real concerns, but it is not quite in our world. And that is the kind of fantasy that I'm really interested in. So, um, yeah. I wasn't expecting to get all the way from Scott Pilgrim to Idris B in this conversation, but here we are. Anyway, um, I've talked long enough, so let's open the next box in the uh, Advent calendar. Here we go. Um, okay. Oh, that's not fair. I've lost a life now. Oh, what a disappointment. All right, speak to you tomorrow. Fictoplasm Podcast. Words by Ralph Lovegrove, music by Chris Zabriskie. Find out more at fictoplasm.net. Mm-hmm.